0: The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au Good evening and welcome to the BSV's um, Buddhist Society of Victoria's Monday meditation evening being uh, live-streamed from Newbury Buddhist Monastery. So... And this is uh, Ajahn Nisarano, um, who will be uh, giving the guided meditation this evening. Uh, I am an Australian monk who ordained with Ajahn Brahm twenty-three years ago, and but have been living in Sri Lanka for fourteen of those years, and uh, have been visiting regularly um, Australia and the Buddhist Society of Victoria, and now spending the rains retreat here at the Newbury buddhist monastery um and i'd like to remind people just a quick announcement that next week next sunday is the daylight uh, saving starts so if you can be aware of that um, the sunday talk will be at nine o'clock so if you put your clocks forward you won't miss it otherwise you'll connect an hour later and wonder what's happened (laughs) you'll soon realize and the format as usual for the talk for this evening's uh, program will be an introduction and um, then the meditation for about 30 or 45 minutes and then uh, the comments questions or complaints and i'd just like to remind people that if you've got uh, comments questions or complaints you can uh, write those in the youtube excuse me live chat the live chat on the side of the uh, YouTube uh, uh, screen so now we can uh, b- begin first of all I was going to start with some questions that were uh, but there wasn't time to answer yesterday yesterday I gave a talk about a monk in Sri Lanka who's passed away he's been living in the forest for um, about 50 years venerable Jnana Deepa he was a Danish monk so i'll answer some of those questions first and then get on to the theme for this evening's uh, guided meditation somebody said this is their comment or their, their question it is wonderful inspiring recollection of venerable jnana Deepa. would you consider writing your recollections down and uh, of course i don't mind but i'm hoping or i may even suggest uh, to another uh, friend of mine a monk friend and we'll, uh, Ananda Jyoti, who's an English monk, who did something similar for another monk, uh, a German monk who passed away in Sri Lanka quite a few years ago. He did a collection of people's recollections. It's beautiful. It's called Pure Inspiration, if you want to. It's a, very, it's a really nice collection. So I'm sort of hoping that there will be a number of people contributing and that uh, we can do something like Pure Inspiration so that would be good so that's the first question and the second question is this interesting one i I would like to know about buddhas who attain nibbana before gotama buddha please suggest if there is any book for that indeed there is and the buddha spoke about he he spoke about seven previous buddhas including himself actually that's six isn't it really and he spoke about this in the great the longer discourses the long discourses and it's in a, a sutta called the great discourse and it's the mahapadana sutta actually that would it looks like it would mean yes the great discourse um he mentions including himself seven buddhas but the commentaries mention 28 previous buddhas and i think you can find information about those 28 previous buddhas in the what's called the Buddha Vangsa. That's called the Buddha Vangsa, the lineage of the Buddhas, and it's or the Chronicle of the Buddhas. And it's um a translation was made by the Pali Text Society in, into English by I. B. Horner in nineteen published in nineteen seventy five. So there we are. So the Buddha Vangsa and also the long discourses of the Buddha, and it's number fourteen. I should have mentioned that it's number fourteen. That's easier to remember, and that tells you about the seven uh, Buddhas, six previous ones, and the current Buddha. The important thing, of course, is to have the teachings <laughs> of of the Buddha, uh, and the current Buddha's teachings are available. Whereas the 28 previous buddhas their teaching is not available because a condition for the arising of the next buddha is that the previous buddha's teachings have completely disappeared so so uh, we really need to focus on on the, on the current buddha's teaching so the next question uh, there's only 3 i think so that's good if you have half an hour this is quite <laughs> should i read a book or meditate which will be the best if I have half an hour should I read a book or meditate which will be the best I think many people out there might think think this too what what would be the best to do in that situation you know I've got half an hour and um, maybe killing time as they say Um, should I read a book or should I meditate and I would say that just depends on the state of your mind at that time and of course it depends on the book you're going to read as well. So it's good to keep both of those in mind. If the mind is very busy and being agitated, then to slow down with meditation, very useful. Um, but if you're feeling a little uh, tired, dull, then something that brings up a bit of energy, like a book, um, can be useful. So it really depends on the state of your mind. And that's, that's a teaching you get in Dhamma all the time it just depends because the dhamma is about working with our minds getting to know our minds purify those our minds so this is uh looking at what state the mind is seeing what it needs you know in terms of uh nutriment you'd say or food for the mind and the last question i sort of answered half of this but i can mention it again how can we develop our character when we de- when whatever we develop would be non-self so how do we develop our character when whatever we develop would be non-self and of course you know our character is uh, is an example of non-self actually whatever it may be it is non-self which which means it is not permanent this character that we have developed or in many ways it's it uh, we may not have developed it it's been influenced by many many different sources our parents our teachers spiritual teachings things we uh, uh, we've seen on the internet many many things actually they impact on what we take as our character and this is of course you know character is what is uh, um like our personality, in a sense. So what we need to do is to develop a wholesome or positive character, to to de- to decrease the negative aspects in our character, develop the positive. And how do we do that? Of course, practicing Buddhism is 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 the is a very good way. Developing generosity. This is we say dana. Because um, it opens the heart, it creates happiness, developing morality, so this is the way we interact with the world, through our speech, through our actions, but also the way we react interact with ourselves and to develop good qualities, you know positive qualities like friendliness, kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, and wisdom and often. A lot of these we develop in meditation, but we also develop in daily life through our interactions, through our uh, action, speech, and also through our mind, we're creating these qualities. So this is, this is what we need to, to work with, is this, um, the good qualities, develop these good qualities and abandon those negative ones. And the second part of the question is, and what is character? Well, a character, as I'm, I think it's, I've indicated, is, is like a collection of qualities that we take to be ourselves or other people recognize to be us. But as I said, it's not a self because it's not permanent. It's not going to be like that forever. Heavens, I mean, you know, if you think of Anguli he was a person who was a serial killer. If he his personality was permanent, he'd be permanently a serial killer. Nobody's uh, character, nobody's personality is permanent. So we can change them. And of course, this is the, um, the first stage of enlightenment freezes from this sense, this view of there being a me, permanent me inside, and things belonging to me, um, the, the sense of a self. And in actual fact, as I said on Sunday, when we are free of that view of self, it is great happiness. A big, big burden is lifted off our shoulders. So that's the three questions that I had this evening to answer from yesterday. Again, if you have any other questions, comments, or as I say, complaints, please write them in the, the YouTube live chat. Um, to to uh, be read out and as i mentioned now i'd like to introduce the meditation and as i mentioned yesterday i gave a recollection of the of venerable jnana Deepa, a danish monk who passed away two weeks ago on the 12th of september uh, 2020 and uh, He was like a Kalyanamitta, a spiritual friend to many, many people, monks, nuns, lay people, uh, and myself included. And I mentioned uh, yesterday that when uh, the Buddha encouraged, recommended as a good way to bring up energy, inspiration, which can allow us to, for the mind to come together, called the Samadhi, Um, to to do that by recollecting the sangha, recollecting great monks, great nuns, um, uh, great teachers. But this evening I'd like to do um, a slight variation on that, and that's a guided meditation, recollecting an important spiritual friend for each of us, a kalyana mitta. This is the Pali word, and uh, it's a it means, you know, Kalyana is like good, or it can be beautiful. Even and Mita is friend, so sometimes translated as the good friend. But in English, a lot is lost when we say the good friend, a good friend, but a spiritual friend. That's much easier to uh, to understand. That this is somebody that is contributing to our inner life, our spiritual life. Um, so, regardless. And these spiritual friends, as I'll develop in this uh, introduction, it doesn't matter whether they are Buddhist monks or nuns, or whether they are Buddhists even. Uh, they may be other people that have inspired us by their example, by the way they live, their wisdom, their simplicity, their happiness. So it's someone that has had a, a really positive impact on our spiritual uh, journey. And I feel, I feel myself very blessed because I've had quite a few uh, spiritual friends in my uh, life. You know, some of them are uh, uh, very well known, like Ajahn Brahm, like Ayakima, Pante um, Gunaratana, uh, um, Ajahn Jagaro. This is Ajahn Brahm's uh, predecessor. So many of those. But there are others in my life. And I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. So what is what is a spiritual friend, a mitra? So first of all, I should say, what they're not. They're not gurus. <laughs> I like this term. I think many of you probably like it too. Spiritual friend has a much more a sense of equality, a less sense of a hierarchy, I think. And of course, it's a guru is quite a different relationship. It's a total obedience, love, devotion and surrender. Um, and it's somewhat... Um, blindly done you know we talk about blind faith and this is part it seems to be an aspect of uh, regarding uh, a teacher as a guru and we see this in uh, hinduism it's very uh, very common in tibetan buddhism somewhat too and um, often they they are like worshiped like a god almost and it reminds me of something Yana Deepa said i remember him in uh, Sri Lanka when he was giving uh, an occasion for Dhamma discussion and people, uh, many people were paying respects to him, as we say. They call that worshipping in Sri Lanka. And he said to them, please don't come to worship me. Please come to discuss the Dhamma. <laughs> I thought that was great. So, But a Kalyanamitta, of course, is, as, as I mentioned, somebody who's really virtuous and a good person, um, good person, not only in what they do and say, but they're consistently good. What they say and what they do match up. So they, uh, uh, Kalyana Mitter, teach. They teach, and they inspire us. Uh, they encourage us. This encouraging is very important, and I see it. You know, Ajahn Brahm, for instance, is always, <laughs> always a, a likening his his. Um, Influence to being like a coach, <laughs> he uses that simile to encourage us. You know that we can do it; that it's not far away; that uh, you know enlightenment is much closer than we think. And they guide us, these uh, uh, spiritual friends, and they advise us. They and they. One of the things with a spiritual friend too, and you see it, uh, that they can give us. Uh, arouse, make make it easier for us to arouse energy to keep going when it's difficult. And you can see this with some of the great teachers like Ajahn Chah. Some of the monks, I'm sure, would never have uh, developed as much as they did had they not had that um, the energy that and that uh, generated from knowing Ajahn Chah. And he pushed them too, which is a second another aspect of the Kalyana Mita is or the spiritual friend they train uh, their uh, students those that uh, want to listen to them and training is a is a different concept from teaching because in training we're going against our defilements and negative qualities of the mind and a teacher or a spiritual friend in this case is like a role model a lived example and they have to be somebody that actually exemplifies is example of what they're teaching um and so this uh this is part of it because it gives rise to this confidence we can say faith in them that they have some quality that we can develop they have some wisdom we can learn from and so This is very important, a role model. And as I mentioned, they give advice. But in the training, in the aspect of training, it's pointing out our faults too. Now that's not, most people don't like having their faults pointed out. But if they really respect somebody, they're willing to listen at least. So this is a very important aspect of of a spiritual friend is somebody that we respect enough that we will take their comments seriously and will look, you know, when they say there is a fault. And it reminds me of the verse in the Dhammapada where the Buddha says, if a wise person points out our faults, we should think of it as like someone pointing out a treasure. (laughs) I don't know if many people could feel that, but uh, because it is a treasure, because in the sense that we can uh, see it and then work with it and overcome it so these are the qualities of a kalyanamitta and of course the Buddha was a probably the epitome of a spiritual friend and more so because he was free of greed hatred and delusion so all the negativity he had wisdom and compassion and so and all the buddhas and the and fully awakened uh beings, their main point in existing is to teach. And there's a lovely uh, quotation from the Buddha, which he said to Ananda, when he talked about the spiritual friend being, uh, Rinpoche Ananda had said, oh, Bhante, says the Buddha, "Um, a spiritual friend is half the holy life, and then the Buddha says, no, Ananda, it's the whole of the holy life. Isn't that interesting? Because someone who is a spiritual friend to another person, is expected that person will be able to develop the Noble Eightfold Path. But then he went on further to say, by relying upon me as a good friend or a spiritual friend, Ananda, being subject to birth, aging, old age really, illness, death, sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and despair are freed from them. In this way, Ananda, that a person who has a a spiritual friend, a a spiritual companion, a spiritual comrade, develops and cultivates the Noble Eightfold Path. So that's that's what the Buddha said about um, his teachings, that they enable us to overcome all suffering especially he's talking about the suffering of birth old age or rebirth really aging illness death and all the negative mental states and of course as i mentioned before there are many levels we there, there was only uh, one buddha in our time <laughs> but there are many other teachers in our dhamma teachers in our time some of them enlightened and so these are, uh, are other other um types of spiritual friends and very important these days is the spiritual friends one meets on the, in books in audio recordings in videos on youtube on the internet and you see that with uh, you know people like Ajahn Brahm Ajahn Brahmali, and what the BSV is doing here too but sometimes our spiritual friends are not even Um, you know buddhist monks buddhist nuns they can sometimes they can be uh, a parent Uh, some sometimes our school teachers other teachers maybe university or whatever because i can i can remember some of the teachers i had in in school and they had an impact why is that because some of the values good values they imparted to me you know that uh, i i took up the way of seeing the world and sometimes some of our friends can have be uh, um, spiritual friends too as well Um, and so we can and in a very real sense too you know we have to be you know our own spiritual friend (laughs) because in the end uh, you know it's it's how we see things how we experience things that is very important how we integrate you know, those teachings, that wisdom that we've heard from others, how we translate that into uh, into in our minds and into our actions and speech. So I often say within ourselves, you know, I see it within myself too, that there's a fool, foolish person and there's a wise person. And we can develop the wise person more and more. And there's something in in us that actually when we hear teachings from somebody uh, whether it be you know in a, a very um, you know in a formal way or in life that somehow it resonates with us we have this feeling that yes this is really the case this is really true and one of the very one of the um, nice things that I um, I like from Ajahn Shah is that everything is teaching us. And uh, I remember he said to uh, Ajahn Jagaro, this was Ajahn Brahm's predecessor, he, who was living in a monastery, a, a small branch monastery in northeast Thailand, and was complaining to Ajahn Shah that he didn't have a teacher there. And uh, obviously wanting to go back to the main monastery where Ajahn Shah was. But Ajahn Shah was very quick. <laughs> he said, oh, but you have six teachers. And, and Ajahn Jagarro looked very mystified and he said, you have the five senses and your mind. But you have to be a good student so we can learn from our experience of seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting and touching and also the mind, the thinking, the feelings that come up. So these are can be all these things can be like spiritual friends they can teach us at least and uh, even negative examples can teach us and as Ayakima would say often said you know an alcoholic or a drug addict is the best teacher about the dangers of alcohol and drugs some of these negative experiences can actually have quite a positive result for us because we just we see it and it becomes so real and we think no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> and so we, we take it on board. So I just uh, and so why are spiritual friends so important? I think this um, connects with what I said beforehand, actually, that we, even though it doesn't, doesn't feel like we are conditioned uh, or affected by the company we keep uh, by so many influences in our lives. I know many people think that they are making the decisions about how their bodies are, how their minds are, but we we see, because of non-self too, it's, it's very obvious that a lot of what we take to be me directing it is actually coming from things that are influencing, advertising, our parents, our religious views, spiritual views... And uh, you can see this, you know, the way our bodies look, for instance. There's fashions and and we take on board these fashions. Many people want to look like this. And of course, you see over time, I can see it because I've seen, you know, people like Twiggy (laughs) years ago, this very super, super supermodel who was super thin. Now, uh, women are not looking like that. And uh, so this is all very conditioned. And the way we think is very similar. You know, schooling, uh, the society we live in, the culture, all these things condition the way uh, we see the world. And it's uh, so this is very important to take on board. That's why um, an enlightened being like the Buddha is so important because he's giving us new condition conditioning. Ajahn Brahm sometimes calls it brainwashing. It <laughs> sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> But I liked what Ayakima used to say, too. She said the Buddha was a spiritual genius. And so it makes us aware that because some people think, oh, I I can become enlightened on my own. And I I think they can do some work towards it. But to become uh, a Buddha, it it takes an incredible, somebody who's really outside the box, (laughs) So we're very fortunate to have the arising of a, of, a, of a Buddha in our time and to hear those teachings that, that give us a different perspective. As Ajahn Brahm was saying, you know, these things become seeds planted in our minds and they will, give, they will, uh, uh, they will germinate, they will grow in our minds, um, these teachings, even if we don't quite understand them at the present time. And it's quite an interesting thing in that respect, and I think many people who are listening to this will think, have experienced this, and I have, that you can hear the same teaching from different different teachers, and you can hear it over and over again, and then another teacher says it, and you hear it, and it really goes deep. And part of that can be, of course, we're, a big part of it is that we're ready to hear it now. But it may also be that connection with that particular teacher, that particular spiritual friend that can take us deeper. So, and, as, as, and also it's a, another thing that you, you see why we, uh, what's so important about a spiritual friend is that, as we say in English, birds of a feather flock together so the sort of company we keep the sort of things we are focusing on in our lives they are the things that will develop and in the time of the buddha you can see that you know that venerable devadatta who was the buddha's cousin who tried to kill him a lot of his the monks that were attracted to him were of a similar character, negative character and so we see that Yes, you know, the company we keep, the things that we focus on, very important in our lives. But one of the things I wanted to mention just to finish off is, and this is quite important, I think it's important actually, what qualities do we need so we can meet or uh, become aware of a spiritual friend? We have that saying, and I think it is very true actually, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Um, I don't know if it's a Zen saying, something like that perhaps. It may be karmic, you know, that one is the, the coming together of the student and the teacher. But one of the things that's very important for us to, um, to be ready to meet spiritual friends is to be open to learn, uh, not coming from very fixed, strong views and opinions this can be very, it can close us off. Um, so this is an important thing, this openness, open, being open to learn, to being curious. If we have a lot of opinions and views, it's a bit like a cup that's full. <laughs> There's no way you can put anything extra in because we already know. You know, we have a view and opinion about all these things. So this is an important thing, being open to learn, being humble and uh, having humility so uh this is uh this is a very good quality to have this humility and um that we can learn something from another person that we can learn something from this spiritual friend so that's very useful and going hand in hand with that is to have respect for that person Having, if you have respect for a person, you'll listen to them. You'll value what they say, and also you will respect the qualities that they have, particularly the way they lead their ethical life. You know that they're a good person. They don't harm other people. They have a sense of integrity. And when we have that respect too, we can develop faith and confidence in uh, that spiritual teacher. We've got open and we're humble um we don't think we have all the answers we can listen and more importantly we can watch (laughs) how somebody behaves and from that maybe gain this faith and confidence oh there's something here to be learned from this spiritual friend and and to have a sincere interest um, so that we ask questions it's um, having a spiritual friend doesn't mean that you um, you just take on board everything questioning discussion is very very important and always too to have this intelligence and wisdom it's not blind faith when we uh, meet somebody who uh, could be a spiritual friend to us we we use our intelligence as well our wisdom and uh, like the um, like the sutta where the uh, Kalamas, that's right, the Kalamas, the Buddha said, you know, if you're confused about various teachings, go to your own personal experience of what is good, what is wholesome, what is positive, and what is negative, what is unwholesome, and what. So if we can go to our direct experience in that sense. So I'd like to finish there and to start the guided meditation. So. That was quite a long introduction. So if you would like to prepare for the meditation to find a a comfortable posture that has some energy in it too. And to close the eyes and come into the present moment. Just being here in the present moment. And adjusting the body to make it more comfortable, balancing the head over the shoulders, maybe the chin tucked in a little bit, and balancing the shoulders over the hips. Comfortable, not stiff, making any adjustment that's necessary. being in touch with our bodies. And now we can relax the body, starting at the top of the head. And give this warm, kind attention to the top of the head, the back of the head, and the side of the head. This mental massage, relaxing it, soothing it. Allowing it to really let go, soften. Moving our attention to the forehead and giving it this warm, relaxing attention. And then around the eyes, soothing them, relaxing them. And moving our attention or bringing to mind our cheeks of the face and around the mouth and the chin, soothing them, giving them this mental massage. Then moving our attention to the neck, all around the neck. And giving it this warm, relaxing, soothing attention. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck. And moving our attention along the shoulder, soothing it. Allowing the tensions of the day to dissolve, relax with this kind, warm attention. Now bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm and including the elbow, the wrist, the hands and the fingers as we move our attention down the right arm, giving it a mental massage. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder, giving it a good mental massage, allowing the tensions, any stiffness to dissolve, to relax. bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers with this smooth, soothing, warm attention. can bring to mind the back and starting at the, just below the shoulders on the back, we can move our attention down the back, giving this warm, kind, healing attention to the back as we move the attention slowly down, relaxing it, soothing it. Now we can bring to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our no attention slowly down the chest, the diaphragm area, stomach area, and abdomen, giving it good mental massage. Any areas that are tense or painful, giving them an extra soothing kindness or cool. And now we can bring to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and slowly moving our attention down the right leg to include the knee, the ankle, the foot and the toes, soothing the right leg as we move our attention down, giving it this mental massage. And now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention slowly down the left leg to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes with this kind, warm, relaxing attention. And now we can become aware of the whole body, just sitting here in the present moment. And we can have the intention to recall an important spiritual friend in our life. And it could be a spiritual teacher, a monastic one, or a lay teacher, maybe someone who's living or passed away, and it may uh, be someone that you've come into direct contact with their teaching, or someone that you've met indirectly through books or recordings, sound recordings or videos, or on the internet. Just to bring to mind someone that's been an important spiritual friend, for you, for us. And we can get into contact with the feeling that's aroused when we remember the spiritual friend. Maybe that feeling is joy. Or maybe it's thanks. Or some sense of inspiration. Or maybe it's a quality that we experienced with them. Like uh, friendliness, metta. Some quality that we really resonate with. That we... To have been able to develop perhaps. So this joy, thankfulness or inspiration or this other quality that we have felt, we have been able to develop because of our spiritual friend. And we can fill ourselves with this feeling, whether it be joy, thankfulness, inspiration, maybe metta, friendliness. Filling ourselves from head to toe with this feeling, bathing any negative states of mind. Not trying to get rid of them, just giving them this joy, this thankfulness, inspiration, or this friendliness. Whether it be fears, anxieties, worries, depression, just filling ourselves with this joy, this thankfulness, inspiration connected to this important spiritual friend in our lives. And we can combine this feeling with whatever it be of joy, thankfulness, inspiration, maybe friendliness, this metta, with the breath coming in and the breath going out. Filling it with this feeling coming in and going out. If we wish, we can even use a mantra like sadhu, which means well done or wonderful, marvellous, or thank you, whatever you feel, if you wish to use one. Breathing in this feeling and breathing it out. And if that feeling diminishes or disappears, then we can just remember that spiritual friend. And it will usually rekindle and we continue breathing it in and breathing it out. Filling ourselves with this joy, this thankfulness, this feeling, whatever it is, and then breathing it out to the world. And how we can radiate or share this feeling we've developed. The feeling we've had with the breath coming in and out. With everyone, share it with everyone who's listening to this live streaming. Whether it be joy, thankfulness. This feeling of gratitude or inspiration or a particular quality like friendliness, metta. Sharing it with all those that are participating this evening. or radiate this feeling of joy or thankfulness, whatever that feeling is, around the area in which you live. Radiating it in ever-widening circles to all the beings living in that area and further afield. The animals, the insects, the people, the pets, the whatever they are all beings without limit without ex- exception and then including the whole world giving all these beings this gift this of this feeling of joy or thankfulness that we have in connection with as an important spiritual friend just radiating this this uh, feeling further and further afield. And now we can come back to ourselves with this feeling in our hearts, in our minds, and to develop the aspiration intention to develop more and more the good qualities that we have seen in the spiritual friend, more of perhaps the feeling of joy and thankfulness, this inspiration keeping in mind this spiritual friend, to remind us of these qualities and to share these good qualities that we see in the spiritual friend that we're developing with others, with all beings. And that our speech and action comes from these good qualities. And we can anchor this feeling that we have in connection with the spiritual friend in our hearts. Like a reference we can remember anytime, anywhere. And as we get closer to the end of the meditation, we can just ask ourselves, how do I feel now? Do I feel any different from before? Do I notice any difference? And was I able to get in touch with that, with a feeling of joy or thankfulness or some particular quality of the of spirit of the spiritual friend I am brought to mind. And we can think of what caused these feelings to arise, what triggered them. And now I'll ring the bell and on the third time, please slowly come out of meditation. you like to open the eyes and to move the body to make yourself more comfortable. And I wonder if there are any questions.
1: Yes. Yes, thanks. We Chuna. have two questions so far. Two questions. Good, good. First one. Mm. What is meant by seeing Dhamma? Ah, what is meant by seeing Dhamma? Usually... What's meant by seeing
0: Dhamma, it's the eye of Dhamma, you could say, is when somebody, they um, ach- uh, <laughs> don't want to use the word achieves, when someone uh, realizes a stage of enlightenment, particularly usually associated with um, the first stage of enlightenment. This is um, stream entry or sotapanna. Sotapati, they call it in Sri Lanka too. And this is, when we actually first see what the Dhamma the the actual nature of the Dhamma, when we see what the path is that we need to practice. It's always very interesting, it's a bit sobering actually, when we think uh, the Buddha mentions that a person that's seen the Dhamma, and this is a stream entry or above, is a learner until they fully realize the Dhamma, become fully enlightened fully awakened then they are they're no longer learning they have beyond gone beyond learning so until we actually see the dhamma we're not even learners they're such a brahm says we haven't got our L plates <laughs> so this is a very important um, a step it's actually such a a big change from the way we um, habitually think when a person sees the dhamma what do they they see they they see they see the uh, that things arise from causes and conditions we sometimes call this dependent origination and they see the four noble truths they see impermanence because these these things are are all interrelated um so that when a person sees those things. They are released from that view of a permanent me inside and all those things that belong to me and myself and all those things, those views of a self, a permanent self. And also at the same time, they have no doubt about the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. Particularly they have no doubt about the path that they need to practice uh, for... um, Everyone that hasn't seen the Dhamma, it's like we're groping in the dark. But for someone who's actually seen the Dhamma, the lights on. <laughs> they can see the destination. They know which way to go. They're not. They're not going this way and that way. They know the direct way to um, awakening, and they've seen the four noble truths. And what? Um, destroys in a sense this view of a permanent me inside is seeing that everything arises from conditions what i take to be myself arises from conditions and so this is uh, this is this enables the person to let go it happens by itself actually it's the mind that actually sees it and then realizes it and the last thing that it frees the mind from, too, is, is thinking that certain things, certain practices, you know, certain uh, observances of virtue, they will lead to enlightenment. But because one has seen from uh, the Dhamma, one knows that these things don't lead to, uh, to enlightenment, to awakening So there are many um, unusual ideas at the time of the Buddha and still there are many unusual ideas of what will lead to enlightenment. Um, But when someone has seen the Dhamma, they know, no, (laughs) it's not this. (laughs) They will not lead to enlightenment. So this is what seeing the Dhamma is. It's seeing, uh, as I say, dependent origination. It's seeing anicca, impermanence. And usually, the thing that the stream interest sees is, is impermanence, that everything that's of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease. But in, combined with that is a sense of conditionality, that everything comes from a cause and condition. And therefore, there, no, there is no permanent self. And also, there cannot be any permanent, in an impermanent world, cannot be a permanent happiness either. So this is, um, we say, an dukkha and a Natha, you know, so this is what somebody who sees the Dhamma, and it's such a big change. It's a huge leap for for uh, for a person to go from this whole uh, living life from a sense of I and me and in relate everything being in relation to i me how it affects me and so on to seeing through that and such a liberation such a letting go of a burden and also in a sense connecting becoming part of everything of uh, without the divisions of of i and me uh, coming up uh, in so much in the perception so so this is what seeing the Dhamma is. It's a, it's a huge step. <laughs> a huge step. And nobody who, uh, if a person experiences it, they will be very, very happy. Um, as, and this is, uh, as I say, a big change in our way of experiencing life. So I hope that's uh, answered that. You know, that's uh, seeing the Dhamma.
1: Next question. Uh, yes. Chanting, chanting. Oh Listening yes. to dharma, reading dharma books, meditation, and practicing mindfulness for rest of the day. Are these five activities good enough to attain nibbana? All right. Chanting, chanting. Listening to dharma. Yes. Good. Reading dharma books. Yes. Meditation, and practicing mindfulness rest of the day yes these will help this is this these will be um very very
0: very helpful and of course you know you can add to that too you know uh, um uh, giving or generosity sharing because one of the very important ingredients in um in dhamma is is as mentioned in right view is is giving and that brings this happiness to the mind joy to the mind and uh Um, opens us up to uh, other people and opens us up to not just focusing on ourselves because sometimes we can just see in terms of ourselves but when we're giving we're connecting with others whether we're giving them material things you know food clothing shelter medicines that's what often people give to monks and nuns but or, or whether it be giving attention kindness listening to people maybe giving advice sharing humor these things are all also gifts that we can give to other people so very important you know in in that all those things are good um they're very useful and very supportive but to develop to the feeling side of it is very important because it's really the feelings that run our lives and make things interesting and we can give attention to so what we need to do with those things we're causing uh, and of course sila is uh, you didn't mention didn't mention it there but that's very important too morality is very important um so this generosity is very important and also morality you know this the way we interact with others through our speech actions but morality also includes ourselves and the mind that we operate from as well so this is a very important way that we can purify you know our minds through our actions and our speeches speech but also the mind make make um so we feel because when we sit in meditation if if there isn't a a sufficient base of uh, good conduct as a virtue morality, it will disturb the mind. The mind will always have, you know, be going over what one said and done or many of these things. So this is why morality is such an important basis for meditation. Chanting is good. It can bring up a lot of um, inspiration. You can, you can chant the Buddha's teachings and um uh, when we chant something it comes to mind very easily and then we can even start to investigate that teaching understanding that teaching is very important but also you know just the emotion that can come up from chanting if a person has faith then and they they chant then that can bring up a lot of happiness for them and joy for them as well and meditation for sure very good for stilling and mindfulness during the day very good um they're, they're necessary for purifying the mind you know this um the meditation particularly you know developing mindfulness and then developing uh uh the mind coming together samadhi uh are very important things because the quality we need for developing, <laughs> realizing the barn, well, let's start with the first stage of stream entry, is, you know, this uh, mind that's free from the five hindrances, free from the negative things, because that mind is clear, can see cl- clearly. And that's one of the meanings of... Uh, Um, vipassana is clear seeing we're seeing into things and we can only do that if the mind the thing that's doing the seeing the mind is clean clear of these negative qualities and that's why mindfulness that's why samadhi um, is so important because it does that we can it cleans the mind it purifies the mind so it can really see clearly like when we clean the glasses uh, if you have wearing spectacles sunglasses um if they're <laughs> if they're all dirty things look pretty hazy and especially if it's caught in the sun sunlight um but once we clean the glasses, the spectacles, we can see very clearly. So this is one of the important things from meditation, is really developing um, that clarity that comes from purifying the mind of the negative qualities. And of course, we need then we need the, uh, um, the ignition, the match that, that, uh, that will bring up uh, the um an uh, uh, un- awakening experience whether it be stream entry or 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 beyond and of course one of the one of the factors for that is um the words of another and usually and i think it's, it's it is the case that the words of another of an enlightened being someone that's already awakened and this of course can be the buddha or, or reading the buddha's words but very powerfully, it's, if it's a lived example, that can be very, very useful too. It's very important, actually. And the other ingredient is, is that having um, these words of another is then the mind investigates it. We call it yoniso manasikara. It really goes, it dives deep into it. And, um, and then awakening is possible and it's always good to remember that these occasions are not necessarily while we're sitting on the cushion, but it can be something very simple. And I was—I've uh, mentioned it a number of times. For instance, the, the Venerable Patachara, she was uh, an enlightened nun at the time of the Buddha. She was washing her feet, and she saw the water running—the uh, the water she was washing her feet with running down the slope some of it sank into the ground close to her some in a f- little bit further and some further down the slope and her mind became quite uh, focused i was going to say concentrated <laughs> came really steady and still and penetrative and she could um see the imp- this in relation to impermanence so they say you know that like she had experienced her children dying when she was uh, before she became a nun, uh, and then she her husband dying and and her parents dying all on the same day, they say. But she really experienced impermanence at a very deep level. and then she went into her heart and she um, turned out the lamp by uh, using a needle, they put the lamp out. And she said when that lamp went out, that was her full awakening. That's when it happened. So there we are. She wasn't sitting in meditation, (laughs) sitting on a cushion. She was out there washing her feet. But the thing is, we can wash our feet as much as we like. and We won't become enlightened. But the mind that's prepared for that experience will, will, when it sees the, the right circumstances it will recognize the significance of them and then there will be that breakthrough. She was already a stream enterer, um, so this was the breakthrough to full enlightenment. So this is, but it was all those things that you mentioned, plus, as I said, you know, uh, generosity, plus um, morality, very good. Um, And one of the things... That's very important is we look after our mind during the day. This is right effort. We don't um, we we try to avoid negative mind states uh, by knowing those those negative qualities and also letting go of negative qualities. Once they've arisen, that's much more difficult. <laughs> and then developing positive qualities and maintaining them. And those, that developing positive qualities and maintaining them really overcomes the neg- negative. So, for instance, if you develop metta, a lot of metta, this is um, friendliness or loving kindness, and you really maintain it, you, it becomes part of your character. We talked about that before. Then a lot of those negative qualities like uh, fear, anger, You've avoided them and there's no need to let go of them you, you will, or, or it's much easier to let go of them having practiced uh, um, friendliness, loving kindness, metta, because that becomes the habit of the mind, the conditioning in the mind. So this is very important in uh, developing the the path to awakening. We're creating the causes and conditions. and uh, then it can happen. Everything's getting ready to, uh, to um, come together in realization. So thank you for that.
1: Ajahn, there are just two more questions. Just came oh, really? Away. Would All you, right. you like to yeah. answer them? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, first one. Is watching negative emotion arise and pass away without engaging with them a beneficial approach? Ah, watching and negative emotions arise a sec- and pass yeah, away. Maybe I'll, I'll mention the second part. Oh All right, yeah, part. good, maybe it, yeah. Oh, right. oh These negative mind states, when not acted upon, do they count as unwholesome karma? Oh, right, right.
0: Right, I see, yes. And watching them arise and pass away. Ah uh, well you know it's that is uh that can be um yes that that is that is uh very it can be very useful uh to do that if you can do it without getting involved with them um if you can have that openness of mind that can see them in a detached way in a detached way then um that can be beneficial um big be, and it's like many things if we don't pay attention to to them if we if we can be there and not feed them as it were this is what i mean really then eventually those negative emotions negative thoughts will reduce little by little um and maybe completely disappear Uh, it's like if you don't answer emails (laughs) eventually people stop sending (laughs) emails and so this is this is um uh how you how you can can you can learn a lot too you can learn a lot about it you can learn maybe that the conditioning that's given rise to these negative states of mind what's 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 uh, brought them up you know um so Really, um, understanding is a very important thing in the dhamma. Because when we understand something, it tends to change the power they have. They lose their power actually once they're understood. So, uh, yes, no, that can be can be useful to do. I think many times people find that if they, um, if negative states of mind, they can see them arising, <laughs> that they'll usually get involved with them that's the trouble actually that's the big problem and then they you know the meditation heads off in that direction but if you have sufficient uh sort of mindfulness and detachment you could learn a lot from it but they won't tend to arise in a mind like that actually they won't tend to come up so much but it does remind us that you know whatever comes into our mind is like something that we've paid attention to we've um made a habit of and so it's coming up again and again and uh, so you know that can be very very useful to uh, to uh, witness these things arising and passing away and actually that's a very you can see the um that's an aspect of impermanence and if you see it at a very deep level that's a, that is uh, um Something that can help us become enlightened, become attain this first stage of awakening, and the Buddha he talked about that he could see feelings, perceptions, and thoughts arise, and as they were, um, as as they persisted, he can see them changing and then passing away, and that may not sound like an amazing thing, but it's it's incredible because we don't see most of those feelings we don't see most of those perceptions and thoughts that are constantly coming uh, passing through the mind and so for the Buddha he could see those things and they um you know that was that was something that was an aspect of impermanence actually you could
1: just see it non-self as well so and for the second part was uh, these negatives, my state, when not acted upon, do they count as unwholesome karma?
0: Right, right. Um, it yeah, It's not acted upon by speech and uh, action, of course, that's true. So it's not not negative karma in that sense. And if it's not acted on in the mind, and when I say not acted on in the mind, it means that if it's not bringing up uh, lots of... Uh, Uh, defilements negative states of mind anger or desire envy greed all these things um, then it's not creating um, uh, negative mental karma karma Um, so yes it's it's you're not doing it through the body and the speech but it could be happening through the mind But if you're, you know, you're really interested in understanding it, um, then, you know, it's very likely that you're not generating a lot of um, defilements associated with that negative thought, um, maybe that negative feeling, just seeing it as something passing through the mind Mm.
1: due to causes and conditions. Dear Bhante, yes. Dutanga practice, as I understand, can go to the extent of jeopardizing one's health, although this is not the aim of the practice. Verma Nyana Dipana, for example. Yes. So correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yes. All right. Right. That uh, Dutanga practices are these uh, ascetic practices um, that... Uh, Uh, that uh, monks and and nuns uh, and some lay people too undertake you know uh, and like for instance living in um, uh, these huts in the forest a long way from villages with three walls you know they at the time of the buddha it was like uh, eating one meal a day um, uh, using only three robes Uh, many of these things, you know, and in the Thai tradition, they're very uh, emphasised, As emphasised. But one of the things that's very important to keep in mind, that is, for somebody like Venerable Nyanadipa, these are very natural. (laughs) For a Mahakasapa, they're very natural. They're not something forced. And I think this is a a good distinction to make. If we're forcing ourselves to do some of these um, difficult ascetic practices, that that may be um not good for us really it may not be for our spiritual development but for somebody you know like uh, vinbunyana deepa living in the forest like he did we would think oh my goodness it's so tough <laughs> and uh, difficult um uh, but for him very natural and gives it gives rise to a sense of joy and happiness for him. And that's a very important ingredient in the spiritual practice. So it really depends whether we are, um, you know, it, it is coming naturally for us. And it's always, a, there's a sense of reservation, you know, especially when it's expected in a particular tradition. You know, like in Thailand, it can be expected that monks will uh, do certain Uh, dutanga certain uh, aesthetic practices and when you have one size fits all it doesn't quite work (laughs) some people will get the benefit if it's their natural inclination other people won't um, and it may be harmful so i think it really really depends on the uh, person and um, you know why they're doing it to you know, if it's for a sense of look at me, aren't I great? I can do, <laughs> I can live so simply. I can live so t- such a tough life. That is not a very good motivation for for doing these Tatanga practices. So uh, I think it really, really depends on the person, um, you know, and if they're doing it from the right, uh, from a sort of a natural, a natural inclination towards them. So thank you for that. I think, hope that sort of
1: was good. We have just one last question. Oh, one last question. It? All right, yes. Okay, hopefully this will be the last question, yes? Ajahn. Yes, no matter. If you created negative mental karma, yes, negative what mental. can you do to correct this, like anger or frustration, etc. cetera?
0: Mm. Mm. Oh, that's easy because... Well, it's not easy because we've created a habit, you know, anger, irritation, frustration... And the more we repeat it, of course, the stronger it gets. But what we can do is create another cause, another condition for um, developing friendliness to ourselves and to others, you know, and building that. So that becomes more of the quality in our minds. So that will overcome anger irritation frustration to a large extent we can develop this uh, sort of patience with things that overcomes frustration too and this is sort of this this means that the mind has got this uh, friendliness and the first person we have friendliness towards is ourselves because anger and irritation and um frustration are not in particularly pleasant emotions to have so if we're going to be our own best friend this is developing meta then we we won't wish these states of mind on ourselves and we can have this friendliness towards these states of mind you know when anger arises a kindness not the sort of mind that says get out of here <laughs> no, i don't want to be angry i don't want to be irritated or frustrated but just having this gentleness and this kindness towards this emotion will allow it to calm down or will allow it to uh, dissipate also seeing the disadvantage if you see something is of not not of benefit to you is not bringing happiness well-being it's causing a lot of problems, stress and strain for the body and the mind, then it makes it easier to for those to let go of those things. But what is, of course is the is the major difficulty for all our negative emotions is this strong sense of identification. It's me. I'm angry <laughs> I'm frustrated um i'm i'm uh, irritated all those things so this is this is where it's often coming from actually so but if we develop new mental habits you know this kindly kindness this friendliness uh, making peace is a very nice way of dealing with um, negative emotions and it's not (laughs) it's not making a deal that i'll make peace with you as long as you disappear because if it's like that, it won't work. But if it's genuine friendliness, then this anger, the irritation, frustration will uh, reduce and disappear. So this is how we can uh, can deal with it. Is that... yeah.
1: No further question. All right, thank you That's very much for that.
0: that. And thank you to everyone who's been listening this evening. Uh, to this uh, uh, meditation about spiritual friend. And I hope it's been uh, useful for you and something you can recollect because these reminders in our lives, you know, of important spiritual friends, whether they be, you know, Dhamma teachers or just people we've met that have some incredible quality that we're really touched by. They're good reminders for us. And when we think of them, we can bring... De- develop these qualities that we've seen in them so now we can for those who would like to we can pay respects to the buddha dhamma and sangha and i'll do the chanting for that because it's <laughs> you can't see it we can chant all right
1: arahang
0: samma sambundo Bundung by Gawantung Abiwa de me Swakato by Gawatha Damo Damang Nama Sami Pano sang kan namami